What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. We are back after a week off. Thanksgiving week is over, and we are back to close out the last month of UFC, three UFC events in December. This is the first one going down this weekend from Orlando, Florida. Always nice when the UFC travels for a fight night, and they got a stacked 15-fight card. Tons of fights to talk about. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. How are we doing this week off the week off, my man? Doing great. I was actually just in Orlando, so I was boots on the ground. I visited the Amway Center. I can get, I can uh, confirm the lighting is going to be great there. Um, and I did some, you know, I I, talk, I asked a few questions about, you know, some local fighters like Phil Rowe, you know, Nico Price, a few of these guys. You know, I trained at, at one or two gyms while I was down there. Did some jujitsu. So good vibes overall. Everyone's very excited for the UFC coming to town. Uh, and yeah, you know, I think I don't know if they've ever been to Orlando, maybe one time before or something like that, but definitely a very big uh, fight, um, like fight culture over there. You got Jacare just opened the new gym there. Ben Saunders just opened the 10th Planet gym over there. They got a ton of fucking gyms down there and a lot of guys training. So, um, you know, and I think they just signed a kid to fight next week to fight that South African kid, Cameron, that uh, trains at Fusion XL. So some good prospects coming up uh, out of that uh, South Florida orlando area yeah ufc back in 2018 was there um angela hill won on that card so uh there could be a narrative main event there There could be uh jeremy stevens versus josh emmett um amway center big knockout (laughs) yep um so uh yeah last week's recap actually two weeks ago um was a good card for me 2.12 unit profit only losing bet was the over in the Kennedy, uh, you know, main event, if you will call it that. Uh, and the main highlight, though, of Vanessa cashing as a dog. And then the Waldo Cortez over. Um, I'm on to something with these heavyweight overs because three times this year I've bet like the over one and a half and the starts around three and it goes the distance with just periodic great. amounts of money on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, all three have won. And it just seems to be a good formula. So. Um, that that went well and uh, kind of a, a shit card, you know, with Lewis falling out of the main event and everything. But um, you did not track any bets for this car. What, what, what was going on? I did on not there? have any track that. Well, I mean, just been real busy overall with life. And obviously, like I said, I was getting ready for that Orlando trip. Um, But overall, I mean, it was good. It was a good card. I think, you know, other than the only bet I think that I recommended that loss was uh name uh vince morales is idiot ass i mean he should have won that fight any he does anything in that fight he wins um but i mean all of our leans for the most part i think you know cash pretty easily uh jennifer maya you know cash as a dog i mean favorites went like 10 and 1 or 10 whatever it was so not not that crazy of a you know accomplishment overall but uh yeah i think if you know people listen to the leans you were most uh prominent on uh demopolis you know i said that uh kudalabo is gonna get finished eventually and uh, and that Waldo was gonna go two and zero, beating the two worst heavyweights on the roster, and he did so easily. So I mean, people are talking about leg kicks and all this stuff. Like I told you, Chase Sherman, the leg kicks aren't real. And you saw as soon as you know it went outside of the first round, like the guy literally had nothing. Even the, that that was one thing. The judges gave Chase Sherman the first round. I don't know why he was getting lit up. You know, he landed a few leg kicks, but that guy was getting lit up. That was three nothing for. I mean, that was. 10-8 in the second round too like chase sherman did nothing well in that fight so i can't believe it was 1-1 going into the third round yeah i i went um i had two leans that weren't right i kind of leaned miraz and nativity there 
Um, Roz was you know ter- terrible. She Maya Maya beat beat her ass good. That was a great bet by anybody who took that. The top the TV I felt was a pretty good bet as well, but um just didn't for sure. didn't squeak out the victory. But um it wasn't the worst card ever for being a terrible lineup. Salikov, you know, cool knockout there. Um, but yeah, Salikov live was great, and you know it was just you know cards like that for the UFC in the Apex is what they need to do. Put earlier in the day. Have those fights over by 6.30, 6, 7 o'clock, something like that. Ever with. Like, you know, I don't mind that. If you're going to have, like, a man main event, as an earlier day and give us, like, three or four of those a year. So Three, and that's enough recap because we got 15 fights to get into. Um, we'll start off in the women's strawweight division. Yasmin, uh, Jaraguri. I don't even know how to say her name quite yet. Sorry, yeah, Jaraguri. There you go. Jaraguri. Uh, versus Estela Nunes. Um, we have uh, Yasmin minus three thirty. Estela plus two seventy. I mean, for what should be a, a women's MMA striking fight, I think one woman being over a three to one favorite is pretty crazy. Yasmin is probably better. She's probably going to win, but just nowhere near. Uh, you know, seventy five or more percent confident in her. So I think a, a small bet on Estella here is cool with me. I already did it half unit on her money line at 250. I just think that how wrong can I really be? Maybe Yasmin just shuts her out. But I mean, Nunez, her best as- attribute is striking and she struggles when women grapple with her. Uh, Yasmin is unlikely to grapple. So I just think it's going to be a close women's striking fight and give me the 250 dog uh, any day of the week. What about you? I don't have too much on this fight other than I just think that uh, Nunez is for for UFC caliber, you know, even, you know, you know, we're speaking the women's division for conditioning and cardio. It just says look bad, you know, going 15 while Yasmin looked pretty good over over a three round sample size in her first fight. Um, obviously, I wouldn't, you know, I agree with you. I'm not going to be late, you know, laying three to one on on this, but that she probably tries to mix it up maybe a little bit just knowing the the deficiency you know the the last girl that she did fight was um you know it was thought that her grappling was her main path to victory but here maybe we see i think we'll see a a fight maybe some clinch work i'm not necessarily sure she'll go for a takedown but uh but yeah this is not a fight that i'm all that interested in but i do feel that uh yasmin just with more volume on the feet uh, we'll we'll end up pulling ahead, but some of the finishing props on her are are pretty are pretty big. So I mean, if I were to bet this, you know, try to get that even money for her to win by decision, and you know, especially in in this bigger cage uh, as well that the, that they'll be in. I, I feel like Estella Nunes she circles around a lot, um, and she is fighting for her UFC career. So I agree that maybe you know backing a girl here who's about to go zero and three potentially. You know, maybe you get a more motivated Estella Nunes fights a little smarter, but pass fight for me. All right, Nat, that's going to bring us next fight in the featherweight division. Uh, James Krause's Marcelo Rojo going up to 145 here, taking on Francis Marshall, fresh out the contender series, 23-year-old prospect. And the line for this one is Marshall minus 154, Rojo plus 134. Any thoughts here? Yeah, so I mean the line's been coming down on Marshall a bit. I mean an open pickup and people, you know, you know, bet it immediately. And now some action coming back on Rojo, the you know, going up to 145. People think that that might be, you know, a benefit to him. But overall, I just think that the guy, his skills are like frozen. Like there's no way that by the I don't know how many years into his career he is, 
but you know he came up in, in the regional you know latin american scene game very suspect like you know as soon as Kyler phillips like determined that he wanted to submit him he did you know i think a lot of us were on that Kyler phillips by submission prop uh you know when he did fight uh rojo I think Francis Marshall's ground game and uh, level grappling and just his overall level of fighter is even better than you saw on the contender series. That being said, he fought a total complete can crusher from the New England fight scene, which is just really bad nowadays. Um, and, you know, he but he treated the guy accordingly. Like, I mean, you know, I don't know who it was, Dana White. Some people are like, man, they should stop this fight and all this stuff. But the guy's cardio looks good. His boxing fundamentals are are, are solid, I feel. Um, and then once he does go to the grappling, he consistently was getting takedowns, consistently was, you know, transitioning uh, once they did hit the ground. And Rojo, his cardio has been, been bad, even though obviously up at 145, yeah, sure, maybe it's a little bit better. Um, but the only thing, good thing that you've seen from him is that he took a round off for Charles Jourdain, uh before. But as we've seen, like Charles Jourdain, yeah, he's solid, he's good. But it's not like he's a very difficult guy to win minutes off of, you know, until he kind of, you know, settles in. And once he did, he took he totally smashed Marcelo Rojo. So I feel like Francis is has the ability to stay safe, you know, on the feet. I don't think that Marcelo Rojo has much finish, finishing potential here. And uh, and Marshall is very, very reliable to go to his uh, place of expertise, which is the grappling, which is a big, big hole for Marcelo Rojo. I don't think it's improving. And I think that uh, Francis Marshall is going to be able to get a win. Like the fact that Marcelo Rojo has six submission wins is like total wolf tickets. It's because he was fighting like total cans. Like guy's been submitted five times. I think it's going to probably happen again. And uh, I think Francis Marshall, if the line keeps coming down, it's probably going to be uh, a side that I, uh, that, that, that I look at, but have not better yet. Yeah. I'm thinking along the same lines, uh, you know, Rojo 34 years old. Uh, I think he's probably getting a little bit of love based on his association with Moreno. But um, at that age, I just don't think we're going to be seeing major improvements from him. I think that grappling hole will always be there uh, at this point in his career. And Marshall seems like a very good prospect. He knows how to um, string some strikes together. Definitely uh, his best game is his grappling. And he seems to have good wrestling, good top control cardio. Uh, I think maybe we could be a little inflated on him right now because he beat up that uh, that bum opponent, uh, Matthews, in the Contender Series. Uh, but still, that was a very good showing. He's really young, only 23, going to be constantly improving. And I think this is probably a good matchup for him to uh, get the fight to the floor. Uh, and I bet the over here, I mean, it's a 145 fight and the over was at one and a half. And I took that at minus 160. It's already uh, moving down to minus 180. So it seems like I got the, the good line there. And I just think um, this is going to, even if Marshall is dominating the fight, uh, you know, that Matthews guy was able to make it to, you know, the full division. So I think Rojo should probably be able to survive long enough uh, to get the fight uh, over one and a half rounds. But I think Marshall's money line is probably good here. And I might consider a bet on it myself. <laughs> If I like Rojo, if you like Rojo, you should probably try to bet some form of him winning in round one. What I think. So yeah, but I don't. I don't even rate this guy's power that much, man. I really. But I don't. No, I don't either. Yeah. I'm just thinking that he needs to have a strong first round. You know, if he's gonna win this. Fight. He did have a sick knockout over our boy uh, Jesse Strader one time back in Combate. That was pretty cool. But um, nothing since then. So next fight, lightweight division: Natan Levy taking on Gennaro Valdez. Levy is the favorite, minus 185. Valdez, 
the dog plus 160. So, I mean, Valdez is a complete can crusher bum fighter. I mean, all of his wins are quick submissions over guys who cannot grapple whatsoever. And I don't even know if the guy knows what his, his like best attribute in MMA is. I mean, because he was easy submitting these guys and now he's you know in the ufc and he can't submit these guys as easily so he's kind of just swinging and banging like we saw in the contender series versus patrick white and he was nearly knocked out and inches away from losing that fight before white you know completely collapsed and lost himself but i mean i think valdez is terrible his defense is bad he's chinny he's not a good grappler i mean i really don't see any area he has an advantage over levy except for maybe aggression so levy should really win the fight everywhere it goes I'll be pretty shocked to see Valdez pull off the upset, but the only way he's going to do it is round one. This guy comes out of the gate firing. So if you like Valdez in any form, Valdez round one at plus 600 is probably the way to, to bet him because I really don't see him having any chance to win the fight outside of that. So um, should be all levy here. Uh, no bets that I really like, though. What about you? I've maintained liking levy as a prospect overall got a diverse background uh, in the martial arts a little older you know i think he's like 30 31 you know i mean he looks you know really really young um, but uh you know he mixes it up pretty well doesn't you know that that last fight against uh Breeden, i think was a good test for him and a good you know a good um you know you know that he kind of overcame and was able to win overall Breeden. You know, he athletically he's not great, but he he has a feel for fighting. He knows how to fight. Um, and he, you know, he he's obviously well trained. You know, kind of was cutting off the fence. How the strikes that he was, you know, throwing, he was throwing a lot of body strikes. You know, if I remember right as well. Um, and kind of gave you know Levy a hard time. You know, with uh, controlling him overall. But I don't think it'll be the same here. I do think that this fight has. Let me see. What is the over here? Uh, it's, it's juiced. Well. I think it's like minus two ten. So the under no, two and a half. Uh, under, right? So I, I feel like th this fight potentially ha has the potential if there's if there's a one and a half total to maybe go over just because Levy he's got that type. He's a southpaw first of all. He's got that taekwondo background. He's not really looking to exchange hands all that much. He's looking to circle around, throw kicks out. But he's got a big grappling advantage once he does get it to the floor and he is a very very slick grapp grappler on the ground so i kind of like levy by submission obviously it's a very short number i didn't know i, I, I we kind of spoke about this a little bit on our discord or i mentioned it and i didn't think it was going to come out at two to one but obviously the books know um i do think that levy once he does get it on the ground maybe not the first time maybe valdez looks at you know get up or you know levy is you know, doesn't pass his guard immediately and maybe it comes in the second or third round. But I do think Levy, one, will consistently be able to get takedowns on um, Valdez. Valdez just swings from his shoelaces. And I think it's going to be easy for Levy in that southpaw stance to to be able to to move off uh, and get to the takedowns there. Um, but, you know, the head kick, I think, is live. You know, body strikes, I think, here is going to be are going to be there for Levy. And I just think he's just such so much more of a, a smarter fighter than Valdez, like like you kind of mentioned. Um, and I just think Valdez, even if he does have any kind of success, I think he will walk himself into some kind of trouble. Whether it be he hurts Levy or lands a solid punch, I think him chasing the finish, him, you know, he might look to shoot on Levy and give Levy, you know, opportunities to counter grapple him, go for chokes, you know, guillotines, things like that. So I think Valdez, if he has any whiff of success, Levy from the composure that he showed and you know what what he gained from that last fight against Breeden, I think it will you will see that come to fruition here as well. And uh, 
he's going to overcome any any adversity if it does show up and be able to pick up this win at some point. I did take some levy at minus 170. I think under 200 is still is still solid. You know, obviously you don't want to, you know, lay too much here, but I think he's a solid overall, you know, fighter, you know, when he's fighting guys his similar experience level. You know, I'm not sure how high he will get, you know, up the ranks in the UFC, but when he's fighting guys similar experience to him fight wise, I think he's uh he's pretty solid to to be very competitive and uh and win a lot of fights as well. All right, that's going to move us along to the next fight, which is the uh, closest line fight on the card. Pick em fight going on in the women's flyweight division. Tracy Cortez, undefeated in the UFC, taking on Amanda Hibas. Cortez, minus 110. Rebas, minus 110. So I know you're looking forward to this one. Would like to hear your thoughts on this so women's MMA matchup. Yeah, so listeners know that definitely back Gatto to, to take out uh, Cortez in her last fight. And knows how she lost that fight it was just insane like she she i felt like she won basically like every aspect of the fight and still was able to find a way to lose like and had the opportunity to win in the third round but um you know cortez eight known decisions know what she wants to do she wants to get get takedowns and then honestly not do that much with them because you saw multiple times against gato she kind of like stands up and disengages from from the ground just you know whether it be kicking the legs or Whatever. I don't know. She didn't do a lot of stuff in that fight in terms of, you know, landing strikes. And, you know, she ended up getting like the back, I think, at in like the first third round or something like that. But she was mounted. She was back mounted. She got taken down in the clinch. She was getting ground and pounded. She was in a few submissions. Um, but, she, you know, she persevered. Her cardio was better than I anticipated. I thought that, um, you know, Gato eventually, you know, throwing body strikes and, you know, mixing up the grappling would get to her. But I feel here we got a good matchup here to fade her again. Personally, I like the Hibas side. You know, Hibas, you know, is at 125 here, which I, I don't think is actually that bad of a weight class for her because, honestly, like, she's a good athlete. You know, these other girls, it's not like they're that big and strong and athletic. Like, Cortez has a hard time making this 125 weight class. So I don't think that you ever get, you know, a, a great version of her. That's why her... um her action, right, her, like, strikes landed and stuff like that wasn't all that high in that last fight. Um, you know, Hibas, her her boxing is solid enough. Obviously, when she's fighting a girl like Caitlin Chukagian, who, you know, she just finds ways to win fights, you know, she ends up getting touched up a bit. But Cortez, she backs up a lot. She kind of throws these chopping strikes that don't, aren't that effective. She throws naked kicks. And Cortez, uh, Hibas, I, I just think, honestly, she's like a... I'm not gonna say she's a very smart fighter, but you know when when she girls do look to grapple her, she's she has some judo background, so she knows how to like take overhooks, stay on top, you know, uh, cover the hips, and you know, kind of find her way out of situations. So I really don't think that she's gonna be held down that much from from uh, Cortez. You know, I know she did get held down by Genji. Uh, Genji Roba a bit, but Genji Roba is like a world champion, you know, grappler overall. And, you know, she did like Locker in a triangle there. She's just very offensive. So I feel she could win this fight anywhere, you know, the fight goes, even if she is getting taken down. But I do think she could get takedowns here as well. She's got a legitimate sub game. She's gone three hard rounds, you know, multiple times with much higher caliber competition. And yeah, I just think that this is a good fight for Amanda Hibas. And getting here, here, her here at Pickham, I think is is solid. Obviously, you know, they're not that many girls like Cortez. So sometimes people kind of gravitate, I feel, to girls that could get top time. But she doesn't really do anything with the top control time, you know. So 
I he boss here a lot. You know, I I better here. I pick him. I better here at minus one hundred five as well. And I think she's just gonna win this fight anywhere it goes, and uh, and give Cortez her first. Uh, is that be her first UFC L? I guess. So yeah, give her her first UFC loss. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thinking sort of along the same lines, just not at the confidence level to actually be able to back uh, Rebos here. Um, I think, first of all, I think this is a pretty definite thing is Cortez is a better weasel at weaseling out these decisions than Rebos is. You've seen Cortez have some favorable luck in her career getting these decisions while Rebos hasn't. So that could be something to note here. Um, especially with, I think, Cortez being the one more likely to be in top position here. Uh, I think, I do agree, like you said, Ozzy, that Rebus could end up on top, but the more reliable and likely fighter to end up on top is Cortez. I just think she's a little more consistent with her wrestling. And I think Hibas is going to be, she's going to be trying to keep the fight at distance and at, at space, while Cortez is going to be trying to keep it close and at distance and get the fight to the floor. Um, and, you know, I just don't like what Rebus has shown off of her back. I know Jane Rodoba is a lot better of a control grapple than Cortez, but just full guard from Rebos there just didn't really have the urgency to get back up. And I think that that could be a problem here. So, I mean, I give, I give Rebos honestly, the, the striking advantage, probably the experience advantage as well. This, this big cage is good for her. And I lean Rebos here, but I'm just not confident enough to bet it. And Cortez has a way of, uh, you know, weaseling out these decisions. So I think she could possibly, you know, steal another one here. I do expect to be a 29, 28 for either woman. Um, and I I bet uh, Hibas no scorecards here because it, it was minus 140 and Cortez just never looks to finish anybody. She's fought way worse fighters than Rebos and didn't come close to a finish. So the bet is likely going to push, but I still think it's value. I mean, you can still get it at minus 165 out there on bet online. I just think that if a finish is happening here, it's going to be very likely to be Hibas and not the other way around. So um moving on to the next and just go ahead. yeah well, just one last thing like the reason like the reason that cortez got on top of gato a, a number of times it just gato was kind of she wants to go for the submission like she wants to like finish all her fights by submission like and um cortez is able to turn out and get on top in those positions but i don't think he boss is gonna be i think she knows like these kind of like tactics that you know like these wrestlers and like you saw against like Mackenzie Dern, she just knew even like uh Randa Marco, she knew the positions that she needs to get to, and she just like she's a legitimate black belt. Whereas uh Gato was like a purple belt, and this girl comes from a fighting family, like she's a judo black belt as well. She, her parent, like her dad, owns a gym. Like she just, I think she, her the, her experience level and knowing like the grappling that she's done, I just think is it's going to be hard for Cortez to weasel these, like these positions that you're saying when there's like a 50, 50 position. And it's like, you could both get up or, or you can maybe try to fish for a submission and Cortez gets on top. I feel like he boss will disengage, get her hips away, take over hook under hook and, you know, kind of work from there, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. All right. It's going to bring us to the, uh, featherweight division darren elkins taking on jonathan pierce the odds for this one pierce a massive favorite at minus 455 darren elkins plus 355 so the line is getting a little out of hand but i do think that pierce is you know overwhelmingly likely to win this fight elkins is just pretty far done to me man i mean he can beat you know a harmless grappler like tristan Connolly, uh but the the difference in tenacity and physicality between Connolly and pierce is massive uh I'm truly 
maybe the biggest difference in physicality at the 145 class is Tristan Connolly coming off a neck surgery who was at 155 or who's, you know, just kind of got lucky get into the UFC. And then you got JSP who is a six foot featherweight and is just destroying people on the mat. Nonstop tenacious wrestling, good wrestling, good top game, can submit you, can smash you with ground and pound. And Elkins on the feet, man, just looks like every punch that lands when he's standing is is thrown as equilibrium. So I think it's very unlikely that Elkins has a chance to win this fight. It's just a matter of is Pierce going to finish or not. And with how active this guy is on top, uh, he just doesn't really seem content to the whole top position. We saw Elkins um, get beaten badly versus Derek Minner in round one, almost stopped and TKO'd in round one uh, versus Derek Minner. And I just think that Pierce is, you know, five times the fighter that Derek Minner is. So if Pierce uh, gets on top here and he wants to continue, you know, making statements and getting stoppage wins, I think that there's nothing that's going to stop him from, from this. And, you know, with the blood, too, he's got so much scar tissue. He busts open so easily. It's going to be a bad look. And I think that uh, I think I I did bet on JSP to finish uh, minus 105, 1.05 units just to win one. Um, I just think he's going to get him out of there. What about you? I definitely agree. Um, JSP has been a moneymaker for me. I backed him heavily. Like Omar Morales, I backed him heavily in the last fight against. Uh, Mach 1. I mean, he should. Yeah, Mac one. Uh, and he showed like his, his mentality there. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're kind of trying to grapple with him. He's he's like, OK, cool. Like, you know, either you're going to get worn down or I'm going to beat you to these positions and I'm going to kind of rinse and repeat and, you know, look for my takedowns and, and kind of do my thing. So I don't think it's very um, he doesn't get deterred by anything Darren Elkins does. Darren Elkins really, really slow, slow and stiff, as you saw in kind of like that Cub Swanson fight where he's just there to be hit offering a lot a lot of stuff in return um and i feel like jsp whenever he wants to kind of you know throw a jab out and you know hit a double leg is going to be there for him and i'm not sure derek uh darren elkins is going to be able to get back up to his feet at any point or counter grapple very well obviously you know darren elkins has uh excellent cardio overall like you know he's never going to really quit or you know give up in a fight so that i mean he's always live i guess excuse me to overwhelm someone if uh uh, if they kind of give him everything that they've got and he's still there. But I don't think that's going to happen with JSP. I feel like, you know, he will control the pace of the fight. He will get to top positions and then he will start to kind of chip away at Darren Elkins, eventually looking for the stoppage here. Um, I'm going to take, I agree, I'm, I will back him inside the distance and then add in a little, a little shot at, at the submission line as well, just because... I just think that, you know, obviously the Mach 1 fight was a TKO, right? He finished yeah. with a TKO there. And pretty pretty bloody there it got. But, you know, the submission here could be live here still. Um, you know, maybe with respect to the vet, you know, not elbowing his, you know, fucking face into oblivion. Maybe taking a submission here late. Um, similar to the Omar Morales one, he could have TKO Omar Morales. And then I think he took the submission there, if I remember right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, JSP, I think he's going to roll through Derek Minner. Yeah. Or, uh, excuse me, Darren Elkins. <laughs> he rolled through Derek Minner <laughs> as well, but you know that guy's not getting any UFC fights anymore. Yeah, I mean, JS, JSP's only won by decision two times. One time was in his second pro fight. He's finished like 11 wins in a row outside of that. And the only one that went to the decision was the Christian Rodriguez fight where he had like 
five different deep submission attempts in that fight. So the guy's just constantly chasing the finish. Honestly, minus 105, I might have to add more because, I mean, this guy is just... He he's gonna get. Guy's serious, yeah. bro. He's serious. And Elkins is, a is li- serious. A li- literally like an inch away from being a paraplegic, and it's kind of crazy. This guy is even still fighting. I mean, didn't Tristan Connolly have like some moment? I don't. Know. He, I mean, he lost. Pretty. I was in New Orleans to that card, so I didn't watch that. We one bet. Yet. Yeah, we bet Elkins in that fight. Oh, we bet, No, I remember we bet Elkins. Yeah. No, no, no. I we know. we like Elkins, but Elkins. this is not this. This is where you know oh. relying on him comes to an end. Look at the last guy, like last three guys he beat: fucking Garagori, uh, you know, Derek Minner, and fucking Tristan Collins, dude. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, next fight, uh, lightweight division: Michael Johnson versus Marty Casey. Marty Casey minus three hundred five. Uh, Johnson plus two fifty five. Uh, what are you thinking here? This fight, this fight's freaking awful. I mean, Michael Johnson, respect for that last fight against the. Uh, Malaki, uh, Jamie, Jamie Malaki. I mean, I I bet on Jamie Malaki live, but I did think that I lost when I did because Michael Johnson had who had the good first round there. They so, both dropped each other in round one. They both, yeah, yeah, they were both dropping each and other. And then Malaki well, won I, I round two, Johnson won round, round two, three. and then Michael Johnson had an amazing round three. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I had a little Malaki live because you know that third round, I was like, all right, well, you know, when it was like getting going. I just hate this fight. I mean, freaking what's his name? Uh, uh, Mark Casey. That la- the, his last few fights have just been awful. So obviously he's in look to grapple here. I would imagine, right? Why would he uh, change that up from his last few fights? And Michael Johnson classically cannot cannot grapple. Um, you don't. You just don't know with Mark Casey because Mark Casey also has pretty striking. And, you know, maybe he wants to kind of, like, change it up. You know, he got two real cans to, to, to just grapple his last two. And he got two easy wins. But the UFC can't be happy with this guy, you know, all that much. You know, Michael Johnson is a Florida guy as well. This is, uh, I mean, I think uh, DKC used to be at ATT, but not anymore. But, I mean, D- I think DKC should win. He's got, he's he's much younger. I think his chin is pretty pretty solid. I think it's gonna be really hard for Michael Johnson to hit him. He's not as uh, available to be struck as uh, Jamie Malarkey is. He kind of has like that in and out style a little bit more. But I eventually think he takes Michael Johnson down, you know, and Johnson, you know, kind of starts getting frustrated. And hopefully, you know, Casey does something offensive. But I hate this fight. I'm not gonna bet it at all. So, so it's a yeah hilarious fight. Um, I was initially thinking. First of all, DKC's money line's at 75%. And if anybody's watched any of recent DKC fights, the guy has not been interested in finishing one bit. He is exerting no energy after he gets the takedowns. He's not looking for ground and pound. He's not looking to submit. He is doing nothing to indicate of a finish. But his, his decision line is only minus 115, which means there's a 21, 22% chance that he finishes this fight inside the distance, which I'm telling you is wrong. So if you like DKC in any fashion in this fight, you should be betting him by decision as well because you're getting a much shorter price uh, when he's not going to finish. Um, but matchup wise, I'm thinking DKC fought Slava, he fought Demir, who really aren't good strikers. Their footwork is messy. They're really bad grapplers. But you know MJ, he's in the big cage here. He's you know still a fairly decent striker. He's still got pretty good speed. And his takedown defense has been historically pretty good. And I, I was looking in his last few fights, his past six fights, he's faced 24 takedowns. He's only been taken down four of those times. So he's still defending like one out of every 
or he's still defending five out of every six takedowns. So I think this fight is going to be more, a lot more difficult for, for D Casey than his past two opponents, because MJ is not going to just easily back to the cage and get taken down uh, with ease. So I think it could be interesting to see how this fight goes in the feet. Um, and I feel like D, D Casey, you mentioned he's not a bad striker, but I feel like this guy has no confidence in his striking anymore. Um, so I think he might be a little like desperate and telegraph with these takedown attempts at times. And I don't know. I think actually the side has shifted to MJ here at 255. Um, so it's a risky bet as always. We're talking Michael Johnson in, in 2022, but uh, I think he's the side. Were you going to say something? Maybe Michael Johnson by decision. Yeah. Or just, I yeah. mean, DKC, I don't think he's ever been not. I mean, the thing is, DKC's got no submission game, dude. He's like, he, no, zero submission game. And uh, he took a beating from Fiziev and made it to decision. So, yeah, it's, yeah, he's got a good, ch- oh, I mean, the guy's durable, yeah. you know, no doubt, no doubt about that. Like, I don't know if Michael John, like, could Michael Johnson land a hard strike? Yeah, for sure. But, you know, Michael Johnson's also been to 16 decisions in his career, you know, and his main, of losing has been by submission, but Mark D. Casey just has terrible jujitsu. Like good position, perfect seven, and, seven and he's never been knocked out. And then he's never been knocked out. So yeah, four fifty for MJ decisions, not bad. Um, next fight, another lightweight fight. I feel like we have three. Like these fights are all kind of similar, like striker versus grappler esque. Uh, Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, uh, another old man fight here. Clay Guida, the dog, plus one fifty. Holtzman minus one seventy five. Uh, so Holtzman's thirty nine. Guida's forty one. These guys are fucking ancient. But I t- tell you what, Scott Holtzman looks a lot better for this age than Guida does. Um, probably because Holtzman has five losses in MMA. Guida has twenty two. Um, and I mean, with Clay Guida looking that badly and getting submitted by Poilus, we know how badly Poilus sucks. We know it. And, and like, just what the fuck was that from Clay Guida? I mean, he dove, he dove right into that leg lock. Like, this guy, uh, I can't believe we lost on that. <laughs> this guy, this guy's like, Hey, we're fighting a guy who does knee bars. He's like, all right, bet. And then the oh, first God. thing he does on the ground is like, I'm going to dive right into this knee bar. Um, that was that was suspicious right there, but I mean Guida, Guida stinks, man. He's he's so old. He's a cross sniffer. All he does is just look to 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 grapple, and I mean, I mean he versus Leo Santos his last win. The dude got knocked out in the first round. The referee didn't see it, and then he let the fight keep going. It was literally like one of those WWE matches where like the referee falls asleep and, and then he misses the the, the then. That's what happened here, and uh, we got lucky. He won the fight, <laughs> but um, that's actually a good reference, Marshall. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened essentially. He get he gets hit he gets hit by he get, goes into the turnbuckle. Yeah, or like the manager, the manager is like distracting you from the outside, and like nearly. <laughs> meanwhile, the guy's like getting knocked out. Um, but Holtzman hasn't done anything of note any, any like recently, right? The last thing he did was beat Jim Miller. That was a fight he was actually losing. He lost the first half of that fight. Cool fight. Then Jim Miller gassed out and he took over. So. Man, I don't have much analysis for this fight, so I'll wrap it up. Eileen Holtzman, I have no bet on this fight. I think betting on this fight is kind of insane, quite frankly. Uh, money line is a, a, a little bit insane. Holtzman KO, 5-1, to one, not bad just for how bad, how shot Clegg is. But um, what, what about you? Any any bets here? You know, I like Scott Holtzman. I mean, I think at that minus 150 number, more than fair. You know, the guy has some speed to him. He mixes up the, the, the strikes that he does deliver. 
you know, he, he, you know, he kind of throws in uppercuts. He's got a solid jab and he's just a well-rounded, you know, MMA fighter. I think I was speaking to, um, who was that talking to one time? Uh, Joe Selecki said that he was training with him and he was like, man, this dude, Sa Holtzman, he's freaking so solid everywhere. Like his wrestling and jujitsu, you know, good, uh, good tip there. So I think Clay Guida's gonna have a real hard time taking him down. But you know Clay Guida, he makes these fights gritty when he's not getting finished or submitted. I don't think Scott Holtzman is really a submission threat. Um, so, you know, maybe Clay Guida is able to bob and weave and fucking move his hair around and, you know, get to the clinch and stuff like that. But I think Scott Holtzman is going to be on his bike here a little bit, land some good shots, you know, pop Clay Guida as he comes in. It is, I will mention, the retirement fight from my understanding for Scott Holtzman. So you interpret that as you may. I think it's a good thing for him. You know, it is what it is. You know, definitely a step down in competition from guys that he's fought, uh, right? The guy fought, you know, Gamrot and, you know, uh, a few other, uh, Benio, you know, a few other guys that are really, really solid. Quite the step down. So I think, is that? Quite the step down. Daryush, uh, Gamrot, Guida. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, you know, I think he should be able to have success here wherever the fight goes, honestly. I wouldn't put it past him to, you know, get top positions on Clay Guida. But, you know, Clay Guida is a tough guy to fight. He's an annoying dude to fight. So, you know, uh, but I think Scott Holtzman will come out with the win. He by a deci- probably by a decision, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he just blasts Clay Guida like uppercut hook, cross, you know, and, you know, just puts his lights out. But, like, look at the guys Clay Guida's beat. Like, he, you know, he beat Michael Johnson because Michael Johnson's trash on the ground. You know, he got submitted. Or did he get No, he actually beat Billy Cornetello in that little grappling match that he had. But, like, Mark Madsen, he's got no striking. And he's still, like, outboxed Clay Guida, you know, over three rounds. Um, so, yeah, I think Scott Holtzman will pick up the win. I don't – I mean, his money line, like, if you're making a Hail Mary, you know, uh, parlay and stuff like that, I think Scott Holtzman is in the yeah, win. Yeah, so he's fine. I'd, I'd probably add him – I'd add him in, yeah. I don't. I, I think that's a that's a good juice play. Um. So yeah, but you know, goes distance is also a little bit interesting because you know Scott Holtzman's durable and like I said, Kliguida stuff to knock that dude out. So what did I wonder what Holtzman no scorecards is? It's only minus one seventy. Man, I don't know. Guida, it, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that that is good. Um, Scott Holtzman's durable, dude. That's a tough dude. The you only way the only way I see Holtzman losing is a similar fight that Holtzman lost is the Nick Lentz fight where he's just you know, constantly with his back against the cage and just can't separate. But he should have won that fight anyway, honestly. Kind of interesting that the decision lines are, like, identical. Like, I would definitely bet Holtz in my decision. It's probably a solid bet. Yeah. Yeah, there's a big price discrepancy between them. You see that, too? 90 on Holtz in my decision? Yeah. Pretty solid. All right, enough about that one. Women's fight next. Uh, We got in the women's strawweight division, Angela Hill, Emily Ducati. Uh, This line for this one is pretty close. Ducati minus 124, Angela Hill plus 104. Uh, What are you thinking here? This is a cool fight. I like this fight. Um, I bet on um, Ducati in her last fight. I fortunately did not bet um, uh, what's in Angela Hill's last fight, something my co-host cannot also, uh, you know, be uh, say that he did it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a solid fight. It was interesting to see all the calf kicks that uh, Ducati uh, implemented in her last fight. You know, I do think she is improving a little bit. You know, she she actually has a grappling game as well. But, I mean, some of these girls that she's been fighting or been like, are like kind of like meh. 
competition. You know, I will say also Jessica Panay and Angela Hill are friends, like very, very close training partners. They like live in the same like area over there in San Diego. So interesting that, you know, this fight got put together. I don't think that Ducati will have the same kind of calf kick success if she did against Jessica Panay. And I also don't think she will have the same kind of volume either against uh, Angela Hill. So I'm interested to see what her game plan is. She's been striking with a lot of these girls, you know, as of late. But in the past, she has used a lot of grappling as well. So I actually, th I think this line is pretty accurate, actually. And I think I would actually be interested in a live number on whoever loses the first round. I don't know who's going to lose the first round, win the first round, whatever. But I think whoever loses it, I think will be value on the live number, you know, regardless of kind of like how it is, how it plays out. Because both these girls, I mean, Angela Hill obviously shows some grappling improvements in her last fight. She's been training with my boy Jay Flo, and that's probably why she had that those improvements. But I do think that Emily Ducati will probably look to shoot a takedown or two here and, and test out the grappling game of Angela Hill. But overall, I see this being a high volume uh, fight in the feet. Angela Hill, much more experienced in the UFC and with higher level competition. So, I mean, originally I was, I will be honest, I was looking at the Ducati side. But as the fight's been getting closer, I feel like Angela Hill is able to negate maybe a lot of some of these tools on the feet that uh, Ducati has. She brings a lot more speed and threat than a lot of these girls that uh, Ducati's been fighting on the feet, like Daniel Taylor, um, Jessica, and, you know, a few of these other uh, the, the little tiny midget, you know, 411 girl that she beat up as well. So I kind of think Angela Hill maybe here, maybe like a like a little morsel of value, like tiny, tiny bit. You know, maybe uh, Angela Hill by decision here, tried and true. Um, but I'm not sure if I'll end up pulling it. I wanted a little bit bigger of a price here. So I think this line is kind of accurate, you know, at basically even on both sides. Well, I mean, obviously a quarter. You got to pay a quarter for the potty. I think it's Thanks. fairly accurate, but I, I think honestly I would go a little more in favor for Ducati, like maybe minus 140, 150. Um, you know, I just think that uh, I think she's the more damaging striker of the two. It should be a striking fight. Uh, and I like what I saw from Ducati in her last fight. I liked how she mixed up the targets well, leg kicks, uh, teep kicks to the body, and some good punches to the head. Just a lot of high output that entire fight land well over 100 strikes and if you look at the, the the disparities it's like 50 to the legs 30 to the body 50 to the head so she spread out the targets well and uh penny's you know not a bad striker uh i'd say a slightly above average uh, but angela is definitely better than her it's just that angela i just you know feel like none of her strikes really do damage that's one problem with her um, but one area where I'm a little unsure about Ducati is the clinch. We didn't see much clinching uh, versus Penne. And I think that, that fight, this fight could get interesting if it gets into the clinch because Angela is very comfortable there for, with her Muay Thai background. And uh, if it's not going her way at distance, I think we could see Hill get her way into the clinch and have some success there, just being more versed in the collar tie positions, landing some knees. And, uh, you know, I, I lean Ducati here. It should be a close fight. A part of me is thinking it's probably not a good idea to, you know, Ducati only has one fight in the UFC and you're laying juice on her to beat Angela Hill, who is, you know, a 20 fight UFC veteran. That's maybe not the best strategy, but I, I do think the matchup is, is is good for Ducati and she should win more often than not. Uh, but I, I don't think I'll end up betting here. Uh, like, I, as he said, I burned badly uh, betting against Angie last fight and uh, maybe I should have stopped out in her. So, um, Next fight, last fight on the prelims in the welterweight division, Nico Price taking on Philip Rowe. 
Um, and we have this price is at uh, Nico minus 135, row plus 115. So I believe price and row is a, uh, what, what is it, Ozzy, an accounting firm or a, a law firm? Of yes, sort? yes. Accounting? Uh, uh, no, accounting. Accounting, yes. Nice. Financial planning. Accounting. Right. Well, I have a financial plan for this fight, and it is to bet uh, Phil Rowe. <laughs> Phil Rowe, money line, uh, is my plan to make money here. Just because I think, you know, Nico looks... I think he's honestly slowing down a significant amount fight to fight. I mean, the guy's been in some wars. We're starting to finally see that damage add up. And I think he just looks slow. The biggest thing is his speed. He just looks really slow in there. And the guy, you know, historically throughout his career, a lot of his wins have been like crazy come from behind finishes or round knockouts or something like that. And I just don't think he really has a lot of process as a fighter. And I think that, that's really being exposed as he gets older here and he's not able to just translate some, you know, quick finishes as much. When we see him in extended fights like the Alex Oliveira fight, man, I think he he looks shit there. The end of the Donald Cerrone fight, he was looking bad. Um, clearly lost to P Michelle Pereira as well. So I, I don't know. I think we're seeing Nico slow down. He got knee surgery. He's looked even slower since then. There's a video out there of him hitting pads and he just looks... I mean, slow, man. And Roe got good hand speed, man. Uh, Roe can be taken down, can be laid on a little bit, but it's not like Price is a really reliable wrestler. And Roe, he knows how to stay safe on the ground. He knows how to get back up to his feet. And he knows how to to get on you, like right after you got taken down. We saw in the Wit fight and the Kasi fight, he was losing those fights. And right when he got a moment of space to get back up in round two, he got on his opponents and hit him with some shot, uh, some strikes and you know knocked him out pretty quickly. So I think. Row is pretty good snap on his strikes. I don't think he's going to be in much danger here for Price, unless he, of course, gets you know caught with a big shot. But man, I think that this could be a a, a turning of the tide fight, and we see Phil Rowe uh, start to look like a legit UFC uh, fighter, and to see him uh, take over and get this win here at this underdog price. I just think it probably should be Pickham or maybe even Rowe as the favorite. So I have a uh, one and a half units on Phil Rowe here. Interesting fight here. It's a prelim headliner for a reason. It's a local fight. Both guys from the immediate area. I'm pretty sure the people in the region, in the area, that Phil Rose didn't win this fight. You know, when I say that, you know, I think, you know, obviously the price on Nico, the price on Nico Price kind of got inflated, right? People were, you know, I think took like, it was at like Pick'em, you know, and they kind of bet Nico Price. You got the plus money now on row. I think people... You know, gravitated towards the price side because, like the the picture that, and I I kind of thought the same thing, or I was feeling the same way that you know Nico Price, like you know, hits these like fight ending shots. He's so powerful and he knocks guys out, and you know Phil Rowe's fragile and all this stuff like that. And Phil Rowe burned me bad in that last fight against Jason Witt, where he's losing clearly and then he gets knocked out. And obviously we know Jason Witt, you know, he's just there to be you know put unconscious. But the issue is like, could Phil Rowe get exploited with like calf kicks? Yes, probably. Could Phil Rowe maybe get taken down and held down? Eh, maybe, yeah, sure. But can you rely on Nico Price to do an opt, stay to an optimal strategy, even if he has success with kicks or you know with takedowns, any of these things? Can you rely on him to continue to do that? The answer is definitely no. Okay, and Phil Rowe, I mean, the guy is very, very long for the weight class. You know, obviously he's big for the weight class too. He missed weight against uh, Jason, I think, against Jason Witt, or maybe the last fight. I don't remember which one it was. But um, 
I feel like there's gonna there's potential for there to be a big gulf here in the uh, the striking from the outside, and Nico Price just kind of beginning to get frustrated, you know, beginning to get jabbed, and Phil Rowe being real patient, kind of dancing on the outside. And Phil Rowe's jujitsu is pretty solid. You know, he knows how to stay safe. He knows how to work back up to his feet if needed. If the guy isn't like you know kind of you know super strong on top, like I don't think Nico Price is. But like I do think he is a little fragile, so he definitely is gonna have to watch out for some of these big strikes that Nico Price looks to uh, throw out there. But I think Phil Rowe, you know, I'm kind of gravitating more to his side, just thinking that he's going to be able to land a jab consistently on Nico Price, land effective offense. And I don't think that Nico Price is what he was in terms of those that fight power, the power and the fight ending ability that he's shown previously. Um, and I do think Phil Rowe is coming into his own a little bit. He trains, you know, at a lot of gyms down there in Orlando, whereas Nico Price is kind of like training on his own, like his own little gym that I think that he started. And he's just a madman. And like, like you said, I think the durability and a lot of the stuff that he's done in his past is starting to show up a lot. While Phil Rowe, I think, has uh, just increased um, the intelligence and the way that he's kind of, you know, training as he's matured in the UFC, as he's you know, made a little bit of money here. You know, I think that he's been tightening up his skills, tightening up his process. And, uh, and I think that he's, uh, you know, really, really all in and, and committed and focused on this fight. So I, I also like Phil Rowe plus 120, I think is a solid price here. Um, and he just got to avoid that big bomb. I feel. All right, let's see if that uh, investment strategy works there. And then we're going to be on the main card here. So nine fights down, six to go. 185 uh, middleweight division. Eric Anders taking on Kyle Dawkus. The line for this one, Dawkus, big favorite, minus 226. Anders, plus 191. So Dawkus coming off that really bad uh, eye injury. Roman Delidze, uh, you know, smashed his orbital uh, back in June, only six months ago. I mean, I, that's that, that might be significant here, but uh, it's your turn to start this one off. First of a few middleweight fights in this car. What are you thinking? Yeah, two southpaw strikers, uh, two southpaw guys on the feet here. You know, Kyle Dock has just been a little disappointing to me personally, you know, in his UFC run here. Uh, obviously, he's fought some some pretty good guys as well. but And I don't think this is too much of a step down because, uh, you know, Eric Anders, while not being uh, what people maybe thought he was going to be, I mean, he's pretty competent in a number of areas, right? Really, really strong guy. Excuse me to to start off with. Um, he's got big power in that left hand. The, uh, you know, he's a, a tough guy to look good against. You know, all the time. Um, but he's not that great at winning fights, winning decisions. But honestly, neither is Kyle Dawkins. You know, only way I would play Kyle Dawkins here is I think winning by a submission here. You know, I think that if they are staying outside in a kickboxing fight or a, you know a boxing fight, I don't think that Kyle Dawkins is that comfortable with it with that. And I think that only is uh, inflated or buoyed by the fact that, you know, he just, like you said, the eye, that big eye injury and, you know, getting your face smashed, you know, really bad. So I think that Kyle Dawkins is going to look to grapple here, um, but I don't really think that he will be able to do that for three rounds. So if he is grappling and he's having success, I think he's finishing the fight with a submission here. You know, Eric Anders is not really, is not really known for uh, his grappling game overall. Um, and I do think that he, like you saw against Andre Muniz, put himself in a bad position there, you know, as he was moving, as he was looking to get up and move move around there. So, I mean, I think Dawkins by submission, I think it was only, it was kind of like not a, that great of a number here, right? It was like, what, plus 300, I think I saw, or is it even lower than that? Uh, yeah, uh, three, 310. Um, so I think that's 
all right way to play it because like i said i don't think that dalkus really wants a lot of that action on the feet um especially once he feels some of those hammers coming his way so i think he's in the grapple here i know he's been working a lot of his wrestling you know in the philly area so uh so yeah i don't got too much on the on this fight other than you know i think kyle's uh preferred uh path to victory is uh getting a submission here yeah i'm just wa- watching the doc's instagram so he you know the fight was in i think june 8th right he, he apparently he said he broke his eye in three places orbital two times and then eye socket once and then he announced his fight with Anders on August 11th. So less than two months after getting his eye completely smashed in three places and finished, he was already accepting this fight. I think that's pretty strange. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I guess, I guess he, he knows his body. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming he's healthy enough to, to keep fighting here, but that seems like it's a concern for me, uh, especially when you're laying minus 200 or more juice on a guy i think that laying juice on Dawkins here is out of the question it becomes a matter of uh, are you going to take that dog shot on eric anders and i think i am i think uh anders historically been a pretty decent underdog it's when he's a favorite you're, you're going to look to be skeptical of him but i think as an underdog he's done pretty well historically and uh you know, I just don't think it's going to be a super easy matchup for Dawkins if he looks to grapple like as he was saying anders takedown defense is not bad He's a strong physical guy himself. Uh, and on the feet, I think this will be pretty competitive. I believe both guys are southpaws, right? Um, I don't know. Is Dawkins? Maybe I'm mistaken about Dawkins being a southpaw. Yeah, he's a southpaw. He is, right? yeah. yeah Eric definitely is. Uh, he hits fairly hard. He's he kind of slow, Anders, but he, he chugs along at a steady pace. He's been in a ton of UFC decisions. I honestly feel like it's probably been like 10 UFC decisions, all of his fights coach decision. And he hasn't had the, the greatest of luck in them. Uh, but I think that he's going to be the side to be on here, plus 190. And it seems like the line is just going to continue to climb, uh, especially Anders' most recent fight, the split decision versus Junior and Park. That was a really close fight. He, uh, I think he hurt Park and had a clear round there and just closely lost two rounds. But like all three of the rounds in that fight were close. He really could have won all three uh, from some interpretations. But you know, that was a good fight against Junior Park, who I think is a solid fighter at middleweight, who I would rank ahead of Dawkins, honestly. So I just think Anders, this isn't a bad matchup for him. I'm a bit concerned about Dawkins coming off that injury too soon. And I think, uh, you know, uh, a one unit or so bet on Anders here is definitely warranted. I'll likely end up on him just waiting to see where that price goes. It seems like it's going to keep going in Dawkins' favor. So we'll look to sit on this one. And that'll move us to the next fight, also in the middleweight division. Uh, fight put together on a bit short notice. Jack Hermanson taking on Roman Delizze. Uh Got a European matchup here. Jack Hermanson minus 175. Delizze 150. Some action come in on Delizze today. He was uh, plus 170 earlier in the day. A little bit of money coming in on him on Bet Online. And um, not a not a super strong read on this one. I've been wrong about Delizze's past few few fights. Definitely lost some money on the guy over uh, this year. And um, you know, not looking to add to that. So I don't think I'll be investing in this fight. I just think that I, my reads on Delidze are kind of off. So I'll look to, you know, sit this one out. Although I do think that Hermanson should be pretty comfortable everywhere, you know. Um, Delidze, his most comfortable aspect of MMA is grappling. And I think Hermanson's the better wrestler and jujitsu grappler than him. So I don't think there's anything to worry about there. But Delidze has been surprising guys and, you know, hurting him on the feet. He surprised Dawkins with that knee that shattered his eye. and. uh 
you know, I think maybe Delidze landing a big strike on the feet here is his only chance. And so what is his KO line? I think it's like 800. Oh, no, it's only 500. Yeah, I really can't see Delidze winning the fight outside of KO because his work rate, his cardio is not great. I don't think he's going to be able to submit. So Delidze is kind of knockout or bust. Uh, but um, yeah, what about you? Any thoughts? Yeah, I love that uh, they kept Jack on this card. Obviously, the guy, you know, is from, you know, a long way away. Norway, Sweden, whichever one he calls home, not sure. I love that they kept him on a card. You know, from my understanding as well, I learned that, um, you know, he's kind of, I think he, he's been in uh, Orlando a little bit longer. You know, he's got, there's like the, some, Nor some like, they've got like some connection with the Norway gym to some dude that has like a gym also over there. So he's been training a lot. I think he's really ready for this fight. You know, he's getting ready for Derek Brunson, obviously, which, you know, if he beats Brunson, he's kind of right in that title mix. You know, people probably don't look at Jack Hermanson as a title threat or as a title challenger, but... I mean, could he not take down freaking Alex Pereira and, you know, maybe submit him? I think he could, potentially. I mean, the guy's fought monsters at 185 before. He probably gets knocked out by Alex Pereira, but yeah, for who sure. knows? He wouldn't win that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, who, uh, Pereira? No, Jack wouldn't. His wrestling's not I, good enough. I don't think... who's. What are you talking Who's Who would win what? And Pereira would beat him. Jack is not a good enough wrestler. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I got you. But, I mean, crazier things have happened than yes, Jack Hermanson yes. going rabies and fucking taking this guy down and, you know, submitting him. But either way, like I said, like, you know, Jack is a super solid fighter. Obviously showed, you know, some good stuff in that last fight against uh, Curtis. Was able to skirt around, throw a, a variety of strikes, you know, mix in some head kicks. And you know, I just loved what I saw from there. Had a huge bet on Jack, you know, in that fight. And I think in this fight, it's interesting one for him again. And I think that anyone that jumped on those early prices at minus 145, 150, 50, 165, any of those numbers, solid. I still think maybe here a little bit of value here. Although you do need to be careful, like you said about the Roman fit side of things. But what I think actually is that Jack is going to be the guy to finish this fight at some point. There be he gets to the top position or hurts uh, Roman on the feet with a counter. I like the Jack inside the distance number. You, know, you need to get close to three to one. You know, there's a three to one and there's a plus 250 out there in the market. But I feel on the ground, you know, or anywhere in the fight goes, Roman is a high variance fighter. So when you're going against high variance guys, you know, in kind of like these betting lines, I prefer to try to get, you know, variance on my side as well with the inside the distance. And even though Jack, you know, skirted around and moved around a lot against Curtis, I, I think that he probably gave Curtis a little bit, a lot of credit for the takedown defense that he has and, you know, kind of not wanted to get involved too much in that. But a guy like Roman, I think Roman, although being a solid grappler and, you know, dangerous, had that heel hook against or knee bar against the uh, Hawes, he is kind of like, I think, a feast or famine kind of guy on the ground, you know, um, you know, Trevin, Trevin Giles, I think was, you know, had not grappling success, but they were kind of tangling around and, you know, trading positions. And I feel that if he gets involved in something like that against uh, Roman, I don't think that that, or I think that will go well with, for him, especially with the cardio advantage that I know he's carrying into this fight. Um, so I, I'm gonna have a stab on that Jack inside the distance number, just cause I didn't really get too much of the, uh, the money line here. Um, and, and like I said, the mention of, uh, Roman's kind of like high variance game, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, I think that Jack here to finish Roman is a pretty solid proposition here overall. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that? I think that's very fair because I was th I was thinking looking back on his record, Hermanson was on a streak of just relentlessly finishing guys for a while. He would get on top of them and just smash them with ground and pound until they 
or he submitted much lately. And I think that we might be due for a little uh, a little regression here. He might be finishing this fight. Plus 300, I think, is good. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean this guy was really tired against uh, Trevin Giles. He went to a split decision against John Allen. And Jack's a nasty dude, man. This guy's aggressive when he gets on top. And like I said, he's looking to make a statement here, man. He's right in this title mix. You know, he's only lost to really the best guy, Jerry Cannonier, Vittori, you know, you know, and Strickland in, in five-round fights. This guy's tough. I love him as a fighter. Really, really high on him overall. Um, so, so yeah, I like Jack to finish here. Yeah, and it's also short notice. Uh, Homan was doesn't have a full camp for this one. He he fought, he fought uh at the end of October, probably took a few weeks off, and now he's getting right back in the mix. So it might be a little out of shape. At- Go ahead. Jack is not a guy I'd want to fight on short notice. Yeah. And like, so Delidze's inside the distance is 250, but Hermanson's is 300. I know I said Delidze is not knockout or bust, but like Hermanson has actual process ways to finish the fight. While I'm not really sure how Delidze would find that finish, but, um, go ahead. Oh, I said, yeah, I agree. All right. That's going to move us along. Heavyweight fight next. Tai Tuivasa, Sergey Polovich. Ty is the underdog plus 187. Sergey minus 222 in the action just keeps coming on Sergey, man. Just nonstop. I'm a bit surprised by this. I'm wondering your thoughts as well. Yeah, you know, I was kind of try- trying to look, you know, obviously it's not that much tape on um Sergey. I think these boys are gonna bang it out, obviously. But you know, pa- pa- uh, Sergey, he was throwing some of those strikes against excuse me, against uh Derek Derek uh, Lewis. Man, that guy was there to be hit and hit hard. You know, kind of he doesn't really have head movement. He's got a solid jab, I will say, but he doesn't have head movement. He kind of keeps his hands a little bit low once he is uncorking these shots. And I mean, obviously, Tai Tuivasa is hard to hurt, hard, hard to finish. Um, you know, had to worry about those body attacks from um, uh, Serial Gone in his last fight. So, I mean, I kind of agree that this price, again, the high variance nature of Tai Tuivasa, you know, in, in terms of he kind of is like invites you to kind of swing with him and he knows how to fight in that fight. And you don't really you're not really sure about um about Sergey, you know, in, in kind of like a fight that's going maybe one outside of the first round or two in one where he gets hit himself. Like when has he taken a hard punch in, in any of his MMA fights? You know, I still haven't. I certainly haven't seen it in the UFC yet. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of just sitting back and waiting a little bit here um to see if uh if I could get a big number on Ty. I'm not saying he's likely to win this fight over over overly likely, but I feel if he if this dude Sergey swinging at him like he was against Lewis and Shamil, which two slightly questionable fin- uh stoppages as well, which I think Ty Tuivasa will probably get more of a benefit of a doubt benefit of the doubt than those last two guys so sergey's really gonna have to put him out and put him unconscious and i just feel ty thrives in a fight like that uh like like it's coming to him here so you know i'm interested and he's a 93 kid as well so i'm interested in ty tuivasa here on the money line and him to finish uh sergey here well i wouldn't i wouldn't take any finish because the in the line at this point is very small 220 versus 190 you know so but I mean, yeah, I completely agree. Tai Tuivasa money line all day here. What what is there to think about here? Sergey is a guy. I, I bet Sergey at minus one hundred eight versus Derek Lewis like three months ago. Uh, so he went from Pickham versus Derek Lewis to now uh, minus two hundred versus Ty. When Ty is more durable than Lewis, these days he's probably more dangerous. 
You know, I mean, they did fight and Ty did win, but like Derek Lewis has looked like a shell of himself in his recent fights and people were still respecting uh, his chances to win better than they are Ty's. And I don't get it, man. I mean, Ty can take a shot, took a massive all off shots from Cyril Gone to get him out of there. And I just, I'm not even sold on Sergey yet. I mean, this guy's knocked a bunch of people out in round one, but I mean, we haven't seen him outside of round one in like five years, right? Like seriously, it's been like, over five years i think maybe even longer um, let me just double check this shit um yeah so uh yeah, since he had a five round decision back yeah, in russia five and five and a half years since he's been out of round one so what is this guy's cardio gonna look like there's no way of knowing and ty it's not like ty is a cardio machine but at least we've seen him in, in rounds two and three lately and it's not like he's he's death guessing right he's knocked a couple guys out in round two he uh he hurt cyril gone in round two right so uh, I just think this fight is this price is pretty ridiculous. I think people are way overreacting to some of the recent fights. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to justify what people are thinking with this. I don't know anybody in the world uh, in this MMA betting circle that's betting uh, Pavlovich at minus two hundred. Uh, so I think ties the easy, easy here. That'll do it for that one. Uh, moving along, sick fight next, uh, flyweight fight. I like the UFC putting this one pretty high up on the card. They're showing some respect to these guys. We got uh, Matt versus Matt here. Mateus Nicolau taking on Matt Schnell. Uh, Nicolau minus 405, Schnell plus 305. So classic Matt Schnell fight. He's always the plus two or 300 underdog. The market just loves disrespecting this guy. And, you know, for, for somewhat of a justified reason, he is, you know, fairly chinny. He does get finished time to time. He did quit versus uh, Brandon Royval in a bit of pathetic fashion there. Uh, but the guy also at times can dig deep. And we saw that in the Sioux fight, his last fight. Uh, one of the best fights all year. One of the best rounds in MMA history. Uh, Matt Schnell getting nearly knocked out four or five separate times. And then in the same exact round, turning it around to finish uh, Sumadarji there, knocking him Must out. I love that elbows. one live. Oh, yeah. Must Literally, love that one. it was in, it just an insane turn of events. Like, like I just remember seeing with my boy Joey Coco, uh, just like not believing what the fuck was happening. And then seeing match, uh, seeing Sue covered in blood, completely unconscious after that choke. Um, it's seriously one of the greatest MMA moments, fights I've ever seen. So. Uh, props to Schnell for pulling that shit off. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think there's value on him here, right? There's, it's pretty simple to me that there's value on him. Nikolau is the better fighter, right? He's probably better technical everywhere. But uh, Schnell, he knows how to bring it at certain times of the fight. He's he's skilled everywhere as well. I kind of view these guys as similar, right? It's like they're, they're both capable uh, strikers and grapplers. Uh, but Schnell's just a little a little less durable, you know, maybe goes a little bit crazy in there, not as smart decision making. Uh Nikolaus is a pretty good decision maker and he he knows how to win fights. Um he's pretty tactical. He knows how to conserve his cardio over over the full 15 minutes. Um but that's another thing about his cardio. I don't think this guy I can go hard for a full 15 when he's winning decisions, typically 29-28 decisions. Uh so I just think that Schnell has a good chance at, you know, making this fight chaotic. I think he'll hold his own everywhere the fight goes. And, you know, a small half unit to one unit bet somewhere in that range is warranted on Schnell here. I'll likely be on him for a half unit, maybe three quarters of a unit. Uh, it'll probably lose, but I think Schnell's the guy who will always fight for your money at two to one, three to one. Yeah, you know, interesting fight here. You know, I think the issue here is uh, Nikolaus takes that back foot. 
very often, you know, when he is uh when he is fighting, you know, you kind of saw that. I, I was personally on him against uh, David Dvorak. Uh, I thought he, he, you know, I thought he fought an okay fight, but you know, he let David Dvorak stick around, you know, uh, a lot there. You know, he does land, he does have some power. Um, you know, he did stun him a few times, and you know, he's, he's kind of rocked a few guys in his MMA career, but finisher overall. Um, doesn't always go for takedowns either, which I think, you know, could be good because uh, Match now is content with, uh, you know, fighting off of his back, you know, a bit as well. So I think, you know, he could burn some clock and, you know, win uh, win rounds uh, with takedowns. But like I said, man, the guy's not hyper aggressive, you know, in there, which I think, you know, like you saw some Adarji, like that's how you kind of beat Match now. You overwhelm him. You, you know, make him, make him, uh, you know, make him think a lot, make him kind of like doubt himself, make him, you know, make a lot of decisions in there. And I'm not sure if Nikolaus would do that. I think Nikolaus would be looking to counter him. Um, and I think that he'll probably let Match now into the fight at numerous uh, occasions, you know, like you said. So I, I, I like this fight overall. Um, but I mean, maybe I get there on a the, on the Schnell ticket, but, you know, I've been high on Nikolaus overall, you know, just in terms of his skills. But like you said, he's not the guy that, um, that always kind of like blows guys away. So, you know, I, I like this fight overall. I think it's one I just, I'll just enjoy because I, you know, I do think it'll be a, you know, it's a solid matchup of styles and, you know, uh, both guys are highly skilled, but, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, um, you know, doubt anyone or poo poo, you know, anyone who has a, a ticket on match now here. Yeah, I think uh, Nikola also lost round one to Tim Elliott and to Dvorak. So he, it's like he kind of takes a while to get warmed up and get going there. And then if you look at his past three decisions, uh, Cape, 55 strikes landed. Uh, Elliott, 64 strikes landed. Nikola, 36 strikes landed. So he's not landing a ton of strikes in this fight because his output just isn't that high. Um, so... I just think betting on a guy like so we just talked about two things. He's sort of low volume. He loses round one. He's a bit of a slow starter. Does that seem like a good recipe to back a guy at minus 400? Because it does not to me. Um, so easy Chanel dog or pass situation there. Another fight in the co-main event that is massively juice. We have in the Walter Reed division. Uh, Rafael Dos Santos going back up to 170. Taking on Brian Barbarina. RDA minus 600. Barbarina plus 420. 25 so obviously the line indicates this fight is very likely to win by uh rda you think it, that'll just be the end of it or you think that barbara has any chance to make this interesting at a four to one price yeah jesus lord i mean i knew rda was gonna be a favorite but i don't know if he's gonna be this big of a favorite you know i really don't like love playing guys when you know they just got their brains absolutely scrambled <laughs> like rda did against um the uh Rafael Fiziev, right? Huge KO there, right? Got kind of got his brains, you know, it, it was crazy knockout. You know, wasn't pushing too much either in that fight. You know, I felt where he kind of had the advantages, right? Looking to wall wrestle, cage push, and stuff like that. Obviously, RDA is, you know, you probably should be a UFC Hall of Famer. Maybe he's like a borderline guy there. Um, you know, super tough dude. I I'd love to see him win this fight and kind of get into that realm where he's potentially getting that fight with McGregor or you know George Masvidal or kind of putting him in that tier. Maybe even like a fight against Michael Chandler. But man, this could be a dangerous fight for him because obviously I think that he has the chops, you know, to win uh, easily, right? Because you know, uh, Barbarina is not an easy, uh, not a hard guy to take down. Um, his jujitsu game is not good at all. I could guarantee you that. I can tell you that for a fact. Um, but the guy doesn't stop coming. He's got a good chin overall. 
um, right? Maybe a little weak to, to the body strikes where, you know, uh, RDA does have a, a great body kick. But, man, we saw RDA at 170 against Michael Chiesa. And who told you that Michael Chiesa was going to win that fight, Martian? Who told you? You were very adamant about it. Very adamant. Very adamant. Very adamant. And the guy just does not have the same pop at 170. He just doesn't. And coming off that big knockout, it's a little worrying, worrisome to me where you see a guy like Barbarina, the guy puts numbers on your chin. Right? And I don't know if... Is going to be able to stand up to that if uh, makes him deplete his gas tank a little bit. You know, maybe he's getting up against the fence. So RDA, I think, it should come out with the same kind of game plan he did against Neil Magny. Take the motherfucker down, kick the fuck out of his leg and his, his calf. You know, take him down and submit him. But you know, again, like uh, Barbarina, he's trained with you know um, Ben Henderson, right? A guy who like uh, Southpaw like RDA throws a lot of calf kicks. Probably he's been taking him down all his freaking career. So I don't think it's the worst matchup for a guy like Barbarena, you know, as a four to one dog. Like dudes, I was mentioning guys were betting Danny Roberts, you know, two weeks ago <laughs> at you know plus four hundred. Like um, Barbarena is a way better bet, I feel, than a guy like Danny Roberts. So I think I might get there on on a Barbarena ticket, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's for sure dog or pass. I mean, if RDA takes him down and gets him down quickly sure it'll be easy but i like what you said puts numbers on guys chins look at his stats 108 strikes versus weeks 111 versus matt brown and 147 in 10 minutes versus robbie laura that means the guys land in 14.7 significant strikes per minute versus robbie lawler insane yeah that is incredible um and you know barbarina he's he's deep into his fighting career but Honestly, the guy isn't looking like that shot. You know, like he's always been a, a bit hittable and chinny. He got uh, finished a few times versus Luke and Brown, and he got dropped versus Jason Witt. Like, there's a little bit of concern with his chin there, but like the guy is also eaten some shots from Lawler and from Matt Brown, and uh, you know, fought a, t- a decently tough guy against Darian Weeks and got past all those guys. So uh, he's still a tough out, um, and. I just think it's uh, a bit crazy to be lining RDA as this big of a favorite. You know, he's almost 40 years old. He is even deeper into his MMA career than Barbarina is, and he's coming off a knockout, like Ozzy said. He's fluctuating between weight classes. It probably seems like, hey, I'm really on my way out. I know I'm not getting to the title at 155 again. Let me not cut as much weight, and let me fight some easier matchups at 170 and get a few more paychecks. That's probably RDA's mindset at this point. And he's... He's a, he's in a terrific fighter, an ultimate great fighter, and he is, you know, probably he likely has the skill to make this look easy. But you know, we're talking minus six hundred here, so there's no way we could be betting uh, RDA at this price. What is his subline? Three twenty five. Three to one. Yeah. yeah, that seems like the only bet that you could possibly be uh, putting some value on here. Um, is RDA sub at 325. So that's not a bad stab, right? I mean, the, the path of least resistance for no, RDA solid. is, is sure. to wrestle. Yeah, so that's not... A, I might uh, throw some on that, honestly. But that's uh, enough about that one. We're coming up on two hours here. We want to get you guys out of here. So it is time for the main event, the 15th fight on the card. Uh, we have uh, Kevin Holland versus Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Holland, the favorite, minus 170. Wonderboy, plus 145. Just two weeks ago, this fight was a minus 110 pick And now uh, Kevin Holland's been absolutely steamed to, uh, you know, 62, 63% favorite here. So uh, what are your thoughts, Ozzy, on this main event? 
Yeah, you know, I liked Holland. I'll say early on, you know, I kind of feel that, you know, the power that he has at 170, the length that he has as well, you know, kind of the only times he's been stubbing his toe is kind of when guys, you know, uh, take him down, wear him down, and they're able to, uh, um, you know, exploit that hole in his takedown defense. And obviously, I don't think Wonderboy will do that. Wonder Boy, when he gets in that big ca- or when he gets a striking fight, you know, in big cages, the guy gets in his bag and it's really, really hard to hit him and it's really, really hard to stay with him. He's got five round experience as well, which, you know, while Holland does have five round experience, he doesn't have five round experience like in a kind of fight, like in a striking fight or, you know, kickboxing fight, right? It's kind of, you know, he's definitely slowed down in them. So it's really, really tricky, you know, to to back Holland here. But you know, obviously, he does have a lot of finishing upside. He's got massive hands, you know, at at, a, at this weight class. You know, he's going to be able to, you know, probably hurt Wonder Boy. I think if he does connect with him, but it's really hard to hit Wonder Boy. You know, I think that's been tried and true. You know, uh, Wonder Boy in that fight against uh, Jeff Neal. You know, and a guy who has, you know, great speed, you know, and a great left hand, you know, uh, it, he flustered him a lot with his movement and he landed a lot of his kicks and he was landing a lot of his uh, darting punches as well. So I think the speed that Wonder Boy brings could be um, uh, surprising to Kevin Holland because I don't think Kevin Holland prepares for a lot of these fights, you know, all that well, right? He kind of was making making pretend that he was uh, retiring and all that stuff. And I feel that people saw the last fight against uh, Chimaev, and they're like, oh, well, if Kevin Holland just gets a striking fight, like, you know, he should win that. But it's not like he's always, like, a striker, right? Like, he, you know, um, struck with uh, Joaquin Buckley and a few other guys, but he kind of mixes it up sometimes, so I, I think that he needs to uh, get Wonderboy close distance, maybe get him in the clinch a little bit. You know, it's not going to be the kind of fight where he was against, like, Tim Means and, you know, kind of, like, landing easy shots on him and it's just going to be a way different fight than he's kind of used to. So, I mean, there's going to be value here on on the Wonderboy line, I feel, because, you know, I, I think it's in a, he has a much clearer round-winning round uh, style. I feel that Kevin Holland will probably fuck around a little bit as well, honestly, like, and maybe give away some early rounds and maybe have to claw back them with volume or just, you know, winging big big strikes. But I do think he is alive to knock Wonderboy's eyes out. But, um... But I kind of, I, I kind of think that I'm gonna back on Wonder Boy at some point when this line, you know, maybe reaches its apex here, because he just so you, you just know what you're getting with him. You know how he's an approach to fight. You know that Kevin Holland's never fought a kickboxer like him, and you know it, it's just you know a tough fight I feel for Kevin Holland. So you know, big fight here. I'm really, really interested in seeing it play out. Um, I really hope Wonderboy isn't as shot as he looked against uh, Bilal and and a little bit against Gilbert. Gilbert, I didn't think he looked shot. He just couldn't grapple with Gilbert. Bilal against Bilal, he just looked weak and you know couldn't hang with him. So I'm kind of interested in in in, in the Wonderboy side, man. What what do you think though? I'm, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it too much. You know, getting in depth after the line movement. But what? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I really don't have much in-depth thoughts about it because I I did bet Kevin at minus 110, uh, you know, a week and a half, something to go. So it's like I don't really have much to think about. I clearly got uh, the right price, beat it by 10%. And, um, you know, my, this is kind of a, a, a weird fight for me because a lot of the times um, we have a fighter that has, you know, better attributes. They might be younger and quicker, but then they're fighting a guy who's more skilled, like uh, Randy Brown versus Trinaldo is a good example where 
Brown is the more natural 170. He's way bigger, but Trinaldo truthfully has better skill. I'm always the guy who is, you know, kind of erring on the side of skill. Like skill will conquer athleticism or it will conquer attributes like height or durability or something. But this is a time where I'm actually betting against that philosophy and I'm betting against the uh, the less skilled fighter, which is, oh wait, I'm betting against the more skilled fighter, which is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, he. I think he's, you know, the much better technical striker than Holland. Uh, historically, should have good enough takedown defense to keep the fight standing. But now I'm getting to the point where I just think the the athletic discrepancy between the two, the speed of Kevin Holland, is going to be the factor that gets him uh, the win in this fight. And I'm starting to finally, you know, really respect Kevin Holland's skill. Uh, I've, he's been a guy that I've kind of wanted to doubt and bet against throughout his career. But the guy is, um, you know, first of all, he hits really hard at 170. He hits, you know, much harder at 170 than he did at 185. We just see guys, you know, reacting differently to getting hit versus him. And you know, the guy is really good at translating finishes. You know, he knows how to, uh, you know, chase you with nonstop ground and pound to find a TKO, or he knows how to snatch up a submission, uh, you know, guillotine or some sort of front choke like he did on Tim Means. So I'm starting to really respect his ability to finish fights. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I have a clear path on how he's going to do it, but I think at some point in the fight, he's going to hurt Wonder Boy or get him on the ground. And he's going to probably translate that into a finish and find a way to finish this fight. And, uh, you know, not the the most technical analysis. I don't think it really makes a whole lot of sense, but I think it's going to happen. And I got in on Holland at a really good price, and I don't really have to worry about it anymore. So, uh, you know, whether he wins or not, uh, I, I'm not too invested because I beat the line by 10%. So um, that's about it for me, you know, not nothing too crazy analysis-wise there in that main event. Uh, but you know, obviously at the current, the current pricing of things, uh, wonder boy is obviously the side, but, um, you know, no interest in that for me. Uh, last thing I'll say though, is if you're betting wonder boy, uh, money line, you might as well take his decision line as well at four to one. So, uh, that'll do it for me. Um, it's time for our best bet. His decision line is four to one. Yep. Four to one on DraftKings right now. Oh, that's three, three ninety fan duel, you know? So, I mean, they have, they have the their decision lines at the exact same price essentially when in my opinion if it makes it the full five rounds it that that favors thompson by a significant amount so kind of weird but um best bet parlay of the week time let's think uh what do you want to go first this week man uh, yeah if we're betting on the money line mm, oh you were telling me to look at props Mm. Mm, you go first all right i'll do I'll do Philip Rowe plus one twenty money line on DraftKings. But so, I did think you were gonna go that that route. All right. Well, hmm. Um, I really like Amanda Hebas, and I think that she's gonna win. You don't want me to go that route. I think you should go that route. Trust the go gut. with Amanda. Trust the gut. Go yeah. with Amanda, Amanda Hibas. I think she's gonna win this fight, man. I just think that AC Cortez has been getting away with a lot of nonsense in a lot of these fights, and that uh, Amanda Hibas is her maker. So give her that first UFC L. Yeah, I, I like Amanda Hibas a lot here, so we'll, we'll go with her. You parlay Ho and Hibas plus one twenty and minus one ten. You got plus 320 on the money line right now. Parlay on DraftKings. 
Um, so uh, that'll do it. You know, 15 fights got done in just a little over an hour and 20. Um, any closing thoughts here? No, just I think it's going to be a good event overall. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, the, the the fighters definitely absorb that crowd and push for some finishes. So maybe look at some of these inside the distance numbers. I feel like, you know, maybe round one, round two finishes. I, I think it's going to be a good card overall. A lot of fights, though. I agree. Hopefully the pacing is good. Pacing. Like, don't mess around with the pacing, please. I agree. Whenever, whenever we're so used to these fight nights in the apex, it, I think it makes a huge difference when the UFC decides to do a fight night in, uh, you know, a crowded arena. Um, I know I sure had fun. And when we went to New York, so yeah, it should be a good card. And, uh, you know, only two UFC events left in the year. So two more podcasts before the end of 2022. And that'll do it for us uh, this week, guys. So thank you all for listening. Make sure you're all subscribing, supporting us on Twitter, joining the Twitter spaces to do uh, some live bets. And uh, we'll see you all before the next UFC event next week. Peace out, everyone.